0: Luke chapter 2. Here's a reading of the word of the Lord. Listen. And there were shepherds living, everybody say living, out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Shout the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Everybody say, Calls great joy. Say that. And then, verse 17 When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. At what the shepherds said to them. Shout amen. Please be seated. God we ask you to work a miracle in our hearts and in our minds today. In Jesus name. Amen. The uh, other passage that we are thinking about uh, this week. Is really Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. And there you will find the words. Rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. I think this one verse is impregnated with the very power of Christmas itself. As a matter of fact, embedded in this one verse uh, is the answer to... Uh, one of life's fundamental set of questions that I think lie at the very heart of our of who we are now the person who wrote this passage is uh the apostle Paul very quick uh, footnote on the apostle Paul he started off a devout Jew who was dead set on killing and imprisoning uh Early Jews who were converted to being followers of Jesus, he felt like them worshiping this fellow called Jesus after his death in the temple and synagogue was just desecration. And what's remarkable is that when it was all over, the Apostle Paul ends up becoming the strongest advocate for following Jesus, and is responsible for writing most of the New Testament. The, the most of the letters in the New Testament, the epistles are either directly or indirectly related to Paul. What happened? How did he go from imprisoning and killing folk who say they were Jesus followers to being their strongest advocate and actually helping to lay the foundation of Christianity for for the world? Well, he had what I want to call a Christmas moment. A Christmas moment is that moment when Jesus becomes a reality in your life and so for paul it happened he was on a road going to damascus and uh, to, to arrest some jesus followers and a light shone, and he tells his own story and he was knocked to the ground and he heard a voice paul paul why do you persecute me and he figured out that this person the one he was talking to was in fact jesus himself and out of that experience he was commissioned to become A follower of Jesus, the apostle, and and it so dramatically affected him, he became the apostle Paul that we know today. Jesus, in that moment, became a reality for Paul. Ask the person next to you, uh, have you had a Christmas moment? Ask them. At the end of the day, isn't that... The original gospel stories, the Christmas story in the gospels, right? It is it is when it is when the God of the universe, the Lord of creation, the the Lord of of life, the Lord of the universe, it's when that one becomes human, becomes real in the narrative of history. It's reality. Now, that Christmas moment is recorded in the Bible. Gave way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those initial, initial what we call the Gospels in Scripture. Which gave way ultimately to the Apostle Paul. Which gave way to the New Testament. And ultimately, billions of folk are now followers of Jesus across both the world and across history. And ultimately, that Christmas moment has given way in America to two Christmases. Everybody say, two Christmases. You see, in America, it is unique to discover that the one Christmas is the one holy day. This one holy day for Christians, which we celebrate as Christmas, is also a civic holiday. So you have the holy day, which we call Christmas, but there is also the civic holiday, which is called Christmas. And the two are not the same. They often conflict. They sometimes feel similar, but they are different experiences. Now, I want to come back to that in just a minute. Uh, I want to say a word about, I was reading in the Time magazine uh, a few days ago, and it said, that there was an article that suggested that Americans, more than any other people in the world, pursue happiness. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because actually written into our founding documents are, you know, this notion that uh, all folk are created equal and we're endowed with certain inalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. So it's written in our founding But what this article pointed out, it's actually several articles that the Time magazine lifted over a number of months. Uh, What they pointed out was that while we are the number one country in the world where our citizens are pursuing happiness, we rank number 25 when it comes to having happy citizens. (laughs) There's 24 other nations in front of us. As a matter of fact, uh, what the article points out is that only 30% of Americans, when asked, Are you happy, would say yes? 30%. That means 60% of, uh, 70%, thank you, dear, uh, that's why I have a wife. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah! where were you the other two worship gatherings that we had <laughs> 70% of Americans when asked on any given day are you happy essentially say that includes a lot of us here we we'll say no let me give you a definition for happiness. Happiness is simply a feeling of well-being and contentment. 70% of us at any given time would say, are you happy? No, and that's because we're living in a broken world. We're having our hearts shattered in so many different ways. Uh, this it's notion where even though we're, we're leading the world trying to find it, we're not happy. So out of this comes what I think are three fundamental questions that at the heart of most human beings, and and here here they are, and they all center around happiness or backslash joy. Same word here, ultimately. Number one, is there really a such thing as happiness and real joy? Does it actually exist? Number two, if it does exist, can I access it? Can I acquire it? And number three, if I do access it, can I keep it? Or is it fleeting? Paul, writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's writing it from a jail cell. And in this one verse that I just quoted a few moments ago, he actually answers all three of these questions. If you ask Paul in the jail cell, he says, uh, is there such thing as happiness backslash joy? He says, yes. Uh, Is it accessible to me? He says, yes. And can I hold on to it throughout my life? Paul says, yes. Listen to the verse. Rejoice always, watch it, in the Lord. In other words, in the real Christmas moment, There's this notion of joy in the Lord, in relationship to the Lord. Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Shout, rejoice. You could translate the text a different way by saying, you can translate it this way. uh, Let your life be full of joy in your union with the Lord. Again, I say, let your life be full of joy. Or you could translate it this way. Uh, Be glad and happy always in the Lord. Again, I say, be glad and happy in the Lord. In this verse, Paul gives us the hint that real joy is connected to what I would call uh, the Christmas moment. Now, uh, this is where... Understanding the distinction between the two Christmases is helpful because when we find ourselves in the brokenness of life, which Christmas speaks to us? Now, let's talk about the first. When we think about what I call the original Christmas moment, it's always centered around Jesus. You're during this time of the year, people will read scriptures. Like I've suggested that you do, they will do prayers, they will light candles in certain traditions, but it's always centered around Jesus. One great example of it is found in our Christmas carols. I, 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 I love Christmas carols. You know, it's like, hark, the herald angel sings, or, <clears> oh, <throat> come all. Good. Ah, ah, joy to the world. Beautiful. Ah, silent. Holy. What a choir. Give yourselves a hand. Give God a hand. Praise. Beautiful. And what you notice about each and every one of those carols is at the very center of those carols is the experience, is the focus, is Jesus, this Lord of the universe, this Lord of creation, uh, uh, caring enough for us to come to where we are in fragile humanity. So the night is a holy night because God shows up. On that night. Uh, uh, let us come and adore him for, for he is worthy of our worship. It is focused on Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Yeah. It's announced by the angel. Now the secular Christmas, the civic holiday and uh, news reports say that the civic holiday is growing by leaps and bounds, participated in by ton, more and more non-Christians each year. And I, I, I think that's a wonderful thing. I, I, I'm not bashing the civic holiday of Christmas. Matter of fact, this year it is expected that the civic holiday of Christmas will produce uh, about $600 billion for the American economy. As a matter of, and also, when, when asked, the average person, and there was a research done, and they said that the average person will spend this Christmas, this is the first time since 2006, the average person will spend... About $900, mostly on a credit card, by the way, at Christmas. So, a lot's going on. Now, but the civic Christmas excludes Jesus. All right, and it does it with a sense of purpose because it wants to invite other people from other places and other faiths and no faith to participate in it. So it, 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 the whole, the whole point of it is to actually exclude Jesus so other people can participate. I'm not fussing against that. Now, what, what what what? But what it does is it seeks to hold on to the themes that are connected to the birth of Jesus. So, for example, in the civic Celebration of Christmas. There's the festival of lights. Everybody shout lights! Lights. You see lights. I love it. That's why people say. A lot of people say. I just love Christmas, right? Because when it comes, you ride down the neighborhood. You see houses all lit up. You see Christmas trees all lit up. You 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 have to go shopping just to see the lights in the malls. I mean, it's just lights, lights, lights. Beautiful lights. Blue and red and green and flashing and silent. That's just. Can somebody say lights? Another tradition of civic is the gathering of family. People flying and driving in from all over for better or for worse. <laughs> Another Christmas tradition is this notion of generosity, right? We're a give part of why we're gonna to $600 billion is because when we're gonna be buying gifts for people we love. We're gonna give them away. And generosity for folk who are in need. And yet all of these themes are connected to the birth of Jesus. But, but in, the civic, in the civic Christmas, they are disconnected. They stand alone. Now, here's where this becomes relevant, particularly as I grapple with this notion of joy and happiness, especially in the brokenness of this world. Let me tell you a story. Uh, several weeks ago, a few weeks ago, the weekend that you all were... Uh, uh, serving around the bay I had to get on a plane and fly to Boston here's why because uh, for the last 20 years I've had a mother figure and dear friend named the Reverend Catherine Puglio who has prayed and interceded for me and Rhonda and our ministry through Boston and all kinds of seasons there and through here. She's an amazing woman. About a year ago, she was diagnosed with, with uh, uh, uterus cancer, uterine cancer, and, uh, and a few months ago, I called her and I couldn't get her. First time in 20 years, I couldn't get her. Called and called and called. Couldn't reach her husband, nobody. I knew something was drastically wrong. And so, uh, in the meantime, a former member of mine at Springs died who was on the search committee that brought me there. Wonderful person and I agreed to go back to do her funeral. Everybody say the grace of God. So here's how the grace of God happened. So after we purchased a ticket for me to fly back to do the funeral, I heard from Catherine's husband. And he said to me, sure enough, she was sick. Actually she was dying. She was in a hospital. Well, Due to the grace of God, I had already purchased a ticket, and I was flying into Boston that weekend. So I flew into Boston and got a car, rented a car at the airport, drove an hour and a half down to Worcester, and uh, got to the hospital where she was supposed to be. When I got there, they had moved her. And everybody shouted, grace of God. Uh, uh, they were not going to tell me where they moved her to because of HIPAA laws, but because of an interesting conversation we kind of had uh, they ended up telling me where they moved her to. And, uh, and so I went 15 minutes away, and there she was. And I remember coming outside her bed. She was asleep. And uh, I woke her up, and, and uh, she was shocked. And then she, she kind of let out a little, little scream. And, and, and then she said, you almost gave me a heart attack. And we had a wonderful time laughing and talking and remembering. And then she'd drop off to sleep. And I just sit there with her for several hours. And she'd wake up and we'll talk a little bit more. And then she'd drop off to sleep. And the last time, uh, before she went to sleep, it was approaching midnight. Uh, she said to me, I know you got to go. She said, you know, if I don't see you again, On this side, I'll see you on the other side. And she said it with this twinkle in her eye. Twinkle. And I left in December 1st, first day of December, this past Thursday. I got the dreaded call. She was gone. This is the second year for me that uh, I have dealt with grief and loss, not unlike many of you who, some of you for several years in a row around Christmas, there's a, some tragedy, there's a divorce, or there's a, a job loss, there's some struggling with sickness, Or there's some, some death. And when I think about the civic Christmas, it has really nothing to say to me in that experience. You know, it has a total different set of songs than the Christmas carriage. You know, the Civic Center, right? It's a, it's a civic Christmas. It's a total different set of songs. I mean, it, 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 we're, we're not singing Hark the Herald Angel "A Silent Night. We're singing Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is. <laughs> are we singing Bing, Bing Crosby, White Christmas? Are we singing Elvis Presley, Blue, Blue Christmas, right? Are we singing Ella Fitzgerald, Have a, a Merry Little Christmas? And, and as beautiful as those songs are, we're singing Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Song. All right. But as beautiful as those songs are, they have absolutely nothing to say to me in my grief. nothing that the civic christmas as good as it is because anything that promotes uh the festival of lights and generosity and bring family that's wonderful but as good as it is it has absolutely nothing to say to me in my grief it has no good news the christmas moment that is centered in jesus it has everything to say to me in this moment and, and, and this distinction is important you know why because during christmas one of the greatest times of depression one of the greatest times of suicide is at christmas because people are looking at the lights and they're listening to the songs Of the civic Christmas and 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 they're going through suffering and pain and they are horrendously unhappy and 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 they feel like the civic Christmas they don't know there's a distinction they just say Christmas has nothing to do with me it overlooks me it doesn't include me it makes me feel invaluable and unloved and invisible and uncared for not good enough they just don't know that there's a this no 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 you're reacting to the civic Christmas but the Christmas moment in Jesus, it has everything. Well, let's talk about it very quickly in the last few minutes. We have, listen, let's, 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 let's compare and contrast a little bit. First thing is, let's look at it around this notion of lights. Everybody say lights. There's different interpretations depending upon which Christmas you're dealing with. All right. So in the text that we just read in Luke, it says the shepherds are living in the field. It says, in addition... That suddenly the angels show up and that the glory of God surrounds them. That's that's light breaking out in darkness. And in the Christmas tradition, the biblical tradition of Christmas, light is a huge part, right? In the prophetic word that Isaiah writes in uh, chapter 9, verse 2, he essentially says, he says, uh, 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 those, uh, uh, the people walking in darkness has seen a great light. And oh, those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's the shepherds, right? That's the shepherds. All oh, the Christmas story in Matthew where the Magi is trying to find Jesus. And there's a star, you remember? And they're following the star. And the star, the light in the midst of the darkness of the sky, comes and, and, and stops right over the house. Chapter 2, verse 10, where baby Jesus is. Light and darkness. Or oh, John John captures it this way. And he talks about the birth of Jesus. He says, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness couldn't overtake it. It's a big deal. Or Jesus himself says in chapter 8 of John, verse 10, he says essentially, I am the light of the world. Well, what is it that Jesus, what is it about what he's saying in Christmas that, that speaks to me and, my, and, and, and you and us when we're trapped in it? Well, two things about darkness. Two things. Number one, the notion of light coming in darkness is a reminder that the world is full of darkness everybody shout darkness and and, and biblically darkness means two things, one evil and two ignorance, right here's evil, alright check this out Jesus is born into darkness when he was born violence took, in the midst of horrible violence uh, uh, children Up to the age of two, about 35, 40 of them perhaps around the town of Bethlehem were snatched from their mothers and killed because Herod was trying to kill, find out where Jesus was and kill him. So he killed these kids up to the age of two. It's horrible violence. Jesus was born into darkness with this this notion of injustice. Herod was driving injustice through the land. People, People felt like they were on the wrong side of right under Herod. Jesus was born into that. Jesus born in the darkness. There were refugees. You remember the story that, that that Joseph had to take Mary and Jesus. They had to flee into Egypt. They became a refugee. We believe there was a refugee community there of a lot of people who left uh, the, the 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 immediate area under Herod's control, fleeing for their lives there's this notion of homelessness jesus is born in the darkness of course he gets here homeless you remember the story that that he that mary wanted to have the baby in the inn, but of course it was all full there was no room for them in the end so they became they were homeless they had to go behind the inn and really in a cave where the animals were jesus came here homeless all right so what's the significance we live in a world, the reason why we're not happy, we live in a world of violence and broken relationships. And some of us are, some folk are refugees and other folk are on the wrong side of injustice and relationships are shattered and pain is real. And so we find ourselves at Christmas living in darkness and the civic Christmas singing chestnuts roasting on an open floor has nothing, nothing to say to me in my darkness, but the Christmas that comes from Jesus says, no, baby, I showed up in darkness. If you're in darkness, I'm here. Come on now. If you're a refugee, if you're homeless, if you're hungry, I came for you. You're not alone in your Darkness. And then there's this notion of of ignorance is where you say, here's the point. I read uh, there was a, another magazine that said that one of the hopes of Christmas is talking about civic Christmas is that people will come together in peace uh, in unity and bring peace to the land. Uh, uh, the Christmas moment around Jesus says, probably not. Why? Because darkness can't fix itself. So light coming into the world, God coming into the world says that you can't fix you. I can't fix me. I need God to show up because my heart is wicked. Come on now, my my spirit is messed up. But the grace of God, the love of God, the power of God, Holy Spirit can transform who I am. We as a world, I as an individual, we need light to show up. We need Jesus. We need the Lord. That's the that's the message, and the good news that the angel announces: He has come. We don't know how to fix ourselves. We need to fix it. A savior. Right? That's the notion of light. But then, when it comes to what I want to call uh, the, the 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 Christmas moment centered in Jesus. It reverses our sense of values. Let me tell you what I mean. Watch this. Notice verse eight says, "The shepherds lived in the field. They lived there. Keep watch it'. All right. Shepherds were poor people, marginalized people. They were people who uh, mixed in. Them among them were criminals, just out of jail, and and folk who robbed and stole. Right? That's why they had to keep watch over the over the flock because there's people stealing at night. Uh, uh, And 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 the shepherds, you know, they were they were you know mixed of Jew and Gentile, and they weren't allowed in the temple and the church. Shepherds, you know, they, they 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 were they were shepherds of of these. Dirty, nasty sheep. And, and so, so they smelled like their environment. They, they were dirty and nasty. Shepherds, you know, the shepherds are not the folk that you would invite to your Christmas party. Because if you invited them, you'd have to hide the china. Come on now. If you invited them, you know, they, they would mess up the decorum. Shepherds. Shepherds. Poor folk. All right. I told you that the average American is going to spend $900 on Christmas. What if you don't have $900 or a credit card? What if you don't know how you're going to pay your rent? What if you can't even imagine buying toys for your kids because you and your kids live in a homeless shelter? Or you just got out of prison and you're living in a halfway house. Or you're living in a prison. What does civic Christmas have to say to you? If you can't buy gifts, if you can't buy presents, it, it, it leaves you feeling as though you can't participate. It leaves you feeling as though you're an outsider. It leaves you feeling as though Christmas is not for you. But that's not the Christmas moment, citizen. Jesus, no, no, no. Because the shepherds who lived in the field, come on now, homeless folk in the fields, dirty and smelly. It was to the shepherds that the angel was sent to bring a personal message from heaven. The angel didn't go to the penthouse. The angel didn't go to New York. Come on now. The angel didn't go to the high ceiling places or the wealthy places. The angel showed up among the poor Folk who lived in the field and said, I've got good news for you that will bring great joy to all of the people that the Savior, your Savior, the Messiah who looked, been looking for, that the Lord has come. Watch it, watch it, watch it. They said, He says, and here's how you're going to know that He is who we say He is. When you find him, he's in the neighborhood. The text starts off by saying shepherds nearby. He's in the neighborhood. When you find him in the neighborhood, he's going to be homeless just like you. And he's going to be wrapped up in the claws that we wrap up poor babies in. In other words, y'all ain't listening to me. In other words, when you see him, you're going to see a reflection of you. See, 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 God came down to elevate you. Y'all, they listened to me. Uh, 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 So go find him, go find him. Now, now here's another insight from the text that I just find fascinating. When they go, verse 6, 17, 18, he said, let's go check this thing out. And they go look for him. They find him just like they said. And then they started telling everybody, y'all don't know who this child is. Let me tell you who this child is, the angel, blah, blah, blah. They started sharing. However, there's one thing missing from the text. They don't give the child anything. Unlike the magi,es do you remember the magi in Matthew chapter one? You remember? They are, these are the, the three kings that came. They are influential. They are powerful, and they come. They find Jesus. Remember the story says, and the mean they see him, they bow down and worship. Right? And then and, and 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 they realize, you know, well we, we, you know we, we need to pay about nine hundred dollars for Christmas. No, we got it. Franklinson, mirth, gold. They open up, just give it to him that, that passage reminds us that matter how powerful you are, when you come to Jesus, you gotta buy that one, right? But the shepherds didn't have anything to give him, they were poor. So all the text says that the shepherds did was that they worshiped and they glorified. Oh, this is a good word, isn't it? It's a good word. This is a word. This is for anybody who doesn't have money to spend for Christmas. This is for anybody who doesn't have the ability to give a gift for Christmas. The uh, the shepherds, when they finished encountering Jesus, they left and went back to where they were. But they didn't go back the same way. Why? Because when they first arrived, they were full of hopelessness. But when they went back, come on now, they were hopeful. And they didn't worry about giving a gift because they say, I don't have anything to give. And God said to them, don't worry about it. Christmas is not about what you give me. Christmas is about what I give you. Come on now. <laughs> By the way, let me hurry up. It's almost as though God reaches towards the future, raises up Mariah Carey, have her to sing the song so that we could reverse it. Come on now. God says to the, those who can't buy a gift. All I want for Christmas is you. It's you. You can't give anything. Just give him your life. And the shepherds went back saying, I don't know how he's going to fix my life. It's going to take him 30 years to get grown and get into ministry. But I know because he was born and because we know him, things going to get better. Let me end it here. Y'all listening? You see the difference between civic Christmas that has absolutely nothing to say, but the Christmas moment in Jesus speaks volumes to everybody. That's point. note of joy It's part of what Paul is saying. He's not saying that life is going to, he says rejoice always, be joyful always. He's not saying that every moment you're going to always be happy. What he's saying is, is that in your relationship with Jesus, even when you're in a bad moment, you can strike a good note of joy. Let me explain. A few weeks ago, my daughter, who's here, Has been taking piano lessons, I don't know, three, four years. And every now and then, when she is practicing, she'll hit a bad note. I can be in the bedroom, I can hear when she hit the bad note. And just go, oh, she hit a bad note. (laughs) But the more she practices, the better she gets. A couple weeks ago, She was playing, and she was hitting all the right notes. Before I knew it, I was in the kitchen, and I was so happy about how she was hitting, and the notes were reacting. I started reacting. Before I knew it, I started dancing. And I just danced out of the kitchen all around the piano where she was. And I was just getting down, I was dancing. And 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 finally she looked up because she wasn't she was trying to get a note. She looked up, she said, Daddy, you're distracting me. All right. Okay. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Listen, here's what Paul is saying. If you know Jesus, if you know who he is. If you have a relationship with him, even in a bad moment, you can strike a good note. All right, let me explain it to you. Let me finish. Then I'll finish. I'm really excited about this. Listen, listen, listen. There's a passage that says this, and it has always confused me a little bit, even though I've preached it. it. Tells you a lot about preachers, right? Jesus says, I'm the life and the resurrection. Anyone... Who lives in me shall never die, even though they die. So I'm trying to figure out if you are you dying or not. (laughs) Okay. Two years ago, one of our people here was terminally ill, and God dropped in my spirit chapter one of John, verse four. It says, In him was life. And I told this person who was terminal, I said, I want you to meditate on that passage. Just get it inside of you. I didn't really fully understand. I just was trying to be obedient, dropped in my spirit. I just shared it with him. When I was thinking about Catherine, the twinkle in her eye, I was thinking about the story that the Poweries told about the loss of their daughter last week. And yet, if you ever talk to them while they still grieve that loss of course they will all the rest of their life. Yet, there's a kind of twinkle. What do you mean? Well, here's the deal. I'm talking about how to strike a note. The rest of the weeks, the next week, I'm going to talk about it more. Here's the deal. Death, by definition, is the absence of life. But Jesus says... Yeah. He was the definition, he was the source of life, meaning all life, everything that's living comes from him. That he's the parenthesis, the alpha and the omega, meaning that he contains all life. And what he means is that in him, there is no absence of life. There's only life. Let me put it where you can get it. If you jump in an ocean looking for dry you won't find it because you can you can swim around looking for something dry in the ocean but you just can't find it by definition the ocean is wet and if you jump in the ocean you going to be wet so Jesus is making this point as we go he said look if you're in relationship with me and I know you and you know me and I'm the definition of life, I'm the source of life, and you're inside of me, that when you die, you don't experience an absence of life. No, baby, you move from life to life. <laughs> That's a note of joy, y'all. Come on now. That's what Catherine was saying. She was striking a note of joy. If I don't see you over here, I'll see you over there. Because I move from life. You can't get that from civic Christmas, but all the Christmas that comes from the Savior. Amen. Give God a hand praise. so you have a connection card you got some next steps you ought to look at that card now think about making a commitment to Jesus giving him your life surrendering to the Christmas moment but under the response to the message there's two things I'm going to ask you one I don't want you to write the other one I want you to write if you're ready to make a commitment here's the thing the point of the incarnation is that God shows up In flesh, and he looks for folk who are trapped in darkness so he can shine the light of his love and his grace and his power on them. After his death and resurrection, that same Jesus who said, I'm the light, now says, You're the light. So here's what I want to challenge you when you get out of here and go home over the course of the week, look for people trapped in darkness. And be some light for them. Share some hope with them. Tell them a little bit about the real Christmas. Lastly, you heard the commercial the the, the video about inviting people. So I want to challenge you. That's another way that you participate in the light of Christ is by inviting people to hear what I call uh the Christmas moment, TCM, the Christmas moment. And it's going to be writ large on the 23rd, a couple thousand people to gather and worship. So I want to challenge you just to reach out to your family and friends, start start inviting them to come and experience the Christmas moment. And if you'll commit to doing that, all I want you to do is simply write, I will invite others to, and just simply put, TCM, all caps, the Christmas moment shout amen amen Amen.